Lekutei Sichais, Chelik Tezvav, Volume 15, the second Sicha for Parshas Vayera. In order to better understand the Sicha, I would strongly encourage you to familiarize yourself with the narrative, the story about Avraham and Yitzchak's digging of wells and all that surrounds it. Specifically, if you look in this week's Parsha, chapter 21, verse 25 through 35. Just a synopsis of it, Avraham over there re- meets with Avimelech, the king of the Plishtim, and he rebukes him and argues him over the fact that Avraham had dug these wells and the servants, the followers of Avimelech had stuffed them up to take away his claim of ownership over them. And in verse 30 specifically, and this is what the Sicha actually focuses on, on a statement that he makes in this verse, he says to him, look, here I give you seven kvasot, seven lambs, in order for it to serve as testimony by your receiving of them, by your reception of it, that I have indeed dug these wells. So on the words that it serve as testimony, the sicha focuses on those words. Later, in another parsha, that's in parsha Toldot, in a few weeks from now, Namely, in chapter 26, verse 15 through 22, over there we find that Yitzchak re-dug these wells that Avraham is referring to in our parsha. Yitzchak dug those wells anew after the fact that when Avraham passed away, the Philistines, the Plishtim, went ahead again and stuffed them up. So that's the narrative about the wells in just in short. Now it's understood and obvious that when the Torah tells us a narrative, the Torah tells us a story, they in fact happened the way it appears in the Torah. However, it's also understood that the Torah is not just about telling us stories or interesting anecdotes and history, especially when speaking about Avraham and Yitzchak, who are the fathers of our nation, the fathers of our faith. It's not just about knowing that they were, you know, well diggers, is this the greatness of Avraham and Yitzchak that they dug wells? I mean, they also plowed fields. They also had servants. We don't know details about that. So it's obvious that the Torah shares with us some important, and I underscore important, and crucial anecdotes from their, life, their lives. It's not just to tell us, you know, interesting bits of information and historical facts, but rather to teach us and to give us a sense of their mode of service of Hashem. Each of their actions express their service of Hashem and their approach to having to um, to their connection to Hashem. And for us, it serves obviously as a lesson and we're supposed to derive from it a directive, a, a guide, so to speak, in how to live our lives, how to approach our service to Hashem. Another thing is important to explain, something that would help us in this course of understanding the Sicha, is that in the Kabbalah, and of course in Hasidus, there's a very strong theme of, based on a verse that says, This, counter to this, God made, which, quote unquote, which means that whatever there is in the side of Kedusha, the side of holiness, the side of good, Hashem always made a counterpart, a counterbalance 
in the opposite side, in the forces of Tum'ah, the forces of impurity, the forces of klipa, as we know them, those forces that seem to stand to negate the uh, holy activity of being connected to Hashem. And there's always a counterbalance, there's always a counterpart. Um, another very important, uh, two important points to point out, which will help us better appreciate this sicha, and this is um, related to the Rebbe's father. The Rebbe's father, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, was one of the last remaining Orthodox and especially Hasidic rabbis in the former Soviet Union. And in 1939, he was arrested by the communists because they had enough with his defiance, quote-unquote, against the government for you know, refusing to buckle down and to wave the white flag in the face of communism that they tried to subdue and absolutely do away with Judaism. And unfortunately, after his arrest, after quite a while of being bounced around from one prison to another, he was exiled for several years and he was sent deep, deep into Asia, into a very remote place where there was absolutely no Jews and living conditions were very, very difficult. And sadly, this had a very, very negative effect on his health. And unfortunately, he never made it back home. <clears throat> Even after his, quote, the release, after he had served his term, he served his sentence, unfortunately, he was too weak to come back home and he passed away out there in Kazakhstan in Asia. Now, he did not have any, you know, his, he did not have his library with him. He didn't have all his vast collection of holy books, but he was a tremendous scholar. And when his wife, the Rebbe's mother, Rebbe Tzachana, came to join him to try to assist him, she brought along with her whatever she can take, several books, several holy books, like a Torah, a, a Tehillim, a book of Psalms, and a book of Zohar, the Zohar, the holy Zohar. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, the Rebbe's father, was a great, great Kabbalist. And in absence of any paper and notebooks, and in absence of anywhere else to write, he wrote his thoughts and his comments, his remarks, on the margins of the pages. Years later, she, it was managed, she managed to smuggle it out from Russia, and that was printed in the form of a book, of a five-set five book, which is called Likute Levi Yitzchak, and it has also the Rebbe's commentaries on it, where the Rebbe took and uh, decoded, so to speak, the shorthand comments of his father, which he wrote in the lack of space, he wrote on the small, tiny margins on the side of the page of the Zohar. And this Sicha will be an explanation of something that, that, that he writes on the Zohar. Another very important thing to know is that there is a very, um, one of the most fundamental so to speak, Hasidic philosophy textbook is called the Torah Or, or Likutei Torah. And this is a compilation of fundamental and critical uh, Hasidic discourses from the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneir Zalman, the founder of the Chabad movement, and they actually follow the order of the Parshiot of the week that we read. And they bring out the most important concepts on which all the later Hasidic discourses from all the other Rebbes are really uh, built on and expound upon you know, the, the, the teachings in the Torah or. Let's go for it. So it says in the Zohar, like I said on chapter 21, verse 30, it says, three are those 
that are there always to serve as testimony. And these are these are they. I'm just quoting literally from the Zohar. The well of Yitzchak and the Goral. Goral means the lottery. And the stones of Yehoshua, of Joshua. If you all know the story, before they entered Israel, they erected the stones. And then the Zohar explains, where do we know, where do we find that the, quote, the well of Yitzchak serves as a testimony? So it quotes the words of this verse that says, quote, Ba'avur that Avraham said, in order for this to be for me as a testimony. So of course the question is, who said these words and on what? It's Avraham that said these words on the, be, on the be'er, on the well that he dug, that Avraham dug. And yet, how does the Zohar refer to it? As the well of Yitzchak. In other words, why is it titled the well of Yitzchak when in fact it's the well of Avraham? And Avraham is the one who said these words. So there is a commentary on the Zohar, very important Kabbalist, the Ramaz, that's an acronym for Rabbi Moshe Zakuta, who says that the explanation of it is as follows, that indeed this is the well of Yitzchak, it's just that Avraham dug it. In other words, it goes by Yitzchak's namesake, it kind of, quote, belongs to Yitzchak, but it's Avraham who dug it. But the question is, this itself doesn't really answer anything. Because really the, the question still remains, is it Avraham's well or is it Yitzchak's well? In other words, it's being attributed in the Zohar to Yitzchak and it's called the well of Yitzchak, but indeed it's the well of Avraham. So why is it, be call, be, why is it being called the well of Yitzchak? He doesn't really explain that. It says the Rebbe, my father, that's Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, on the margins of his Zohar, he explains this as follows. He says, quote, the Zohar attributes this well to Yitzchak, although these words, these words, quote, that this should be a serve as a testimony, were indeed said by Avraham. Why? Because the fact that Avraham dug the well, that later was reversed. Because the Plishtim later went ahead, as I told you already in the beginning, in the introduction, the Plishtim went ahead and stuffed up the Be'er. And stuffed up the well. It's only that Yitzchak later after the passing of Avraham went and redug these wells and he called them, quote, as the verse says, by the names that his father called them. And that is the reason why it's attributed to Yitzchak. And he concludes, he says, the ayin, ayin means look more for more in depth. Um, refer to Torah or, remember I told you the book Torah or from the Alter Rebbe. In the beginning of Parshat Toldot, look, in, look into the matter there, and therefore he attributed it to Yitzchak. These are his words. So the Rebbe says that it's obvious that his father's explanation, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak's explanation, differs and is the exact opposite from the approach of the Ramaz. Because according to Ramaz, really this is the well of Yitzchak. It's just that Avraham dug the well. Whereas, according to his father's opinion, uh, approach, according to Rabbi Levitzik's approach, it comes out that really this is the well of Avram. It's just that the verse attributes it, for whatever reason, as we'll find out, to Yitzchak. Because the Rebbe, it's understood, and it's obvious, that according to the 
inner, deeper meaning of the, like I explained in the beginning of the, of the digging of the wells. It's obviously not just about the physical wells that they dug, but it represents something deeper. It represents a very spiritual endeavor. It's understood that both of these explanations have place, meaning both of them are true, both of them bring out a certain mode of service of Hashem. It's just that we need to understand a little deeper, a little clearer, the difference between the two and what they bring out. And says the Rebbe, perhaps to really understand my father's explanation, my father's approach, that indeed this is the well of Avraham, it's just that it's also attributed to Yitzchak in the Zohar for whatever reason. We, the key to understanding it is where he concludes and he says, look in more depth in Torah or on the beginning of Parshish Toldot. So let's take a look there, says the Rebbe, and just see, get an idea, get a glimpse as to what it says over there. So over there he explains the two different modes of service of Hashem. The approach of Avraham and the approach of Yitzchak. Avraham was more in what we call the Kav HaChesed, more in the approach of Chesed of kindness. We know that Avraham represents the attribute of kindness, whereas Yitzchak represents the attribute of Gvura. In general, kindness is the mode of service, Milmailo Lemata, comes from above and goes down, right? Chesed is giving. You give. It's usually, let's say, for example, the rich man gives to the poor man. Water pouring down is also, or rain coming down, is an expression of chesed. So it's typically drawing down from above to down below. Whereas gevura is to bring out. Gevura is typically translated severity or strength or power. And that is to it typically represents the mode of avoda, the mode of service of Hashem, which is milmata lamaila, elevating from down below and bringing it up, pushing it up. Almost think about it as something that, in order to push something up, you need to push it with force. And this is the reason why we typically find that in reference to Avram, it says Avram Ohavi. Hashem refers to him as Avraham, the one who loved me. In other words, we see that the expression of love of Hashem is typically more associated with Avraham, whereas in reference to Yitzchak, it says in Parshas Vayetze, Upachad Yitzchak, and the fear, fear represents, you know, Yira, which is the mode of Hashem, of fear, of awe, of respect, that is attributed more to Yitzchak. Because these are expressions of chesed and gevura, of kindness and severity. And according to this, we can understand why when it came to the wells, the wells that Avraham dug, the plishtim, they stuffed them up. The plishtim, they actually destroyed those wells. Whereas later when Yitzchak came and redug the wells, and of course the wells were Yitzchak himself dug, that the plishtim had no access to, that they did not counter. What is the explanation? If we look into the name of this nation, what are the plishtim? Who are the plishtim? What does the name represent? What's in a name? So the word plishtim comes from the word mefulash. We find this term in reference to uh, halachot in the Mishnah, halachot Shabbat, and halachot and Tahara. Over there, there's a concept of mavoy ha-mefulash. An alleyway, mavoy ha-mefulash. Mefulash, that's open from all sides. That means it's open from both sides. It's an open alley. So the idea of openness, plishtim is the idea of openness, 
of broadness. And as the Talmud actually says, that the Pelishtim, they were litzanim, they were scorners, that they were always involved in, 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 in jest and buffoonery and things like that. That's, that's really the character, that was really the, the mode of character of the Pelishtim. And now we can better understand why they had some kind of power or they had some kind of power of countering the wells of Avraham, but not so the wells of Yitzchak. You see, Avraham represents chesed. As we said, it represents the mode of service of Hashem that expresses itself in love, in joy, in happiness, in the type of, the type of uh, behavior that characteristically broadens a person, makes a person feel good. It's like something that, that just like, it's like a, 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 a wideness of one's character. That, although it is in the side of Kedusha, although it is in the, in, the, in the process of service of Hashem, it's being used in the process of service of Hashem, but because Hashem made it so that there's always a counterpart, and the Plishtim, what is their attribute? Which attribute do they counter? They counter the attribute of chesed, of kindness, of this love, of this happiness. But of course from the opposite side, from a negative side. And therefore they had the power. They were able to what we call yinika. They were able to draw. They were able to, so to speak, suck some life, some of the droppings, if I may, of the holiness from Avram and use it against him. I want you to think of this concept as when somebody waters their grass. Think about it. You're watering your grass. You want to have a nice lawn. But if there are some weeds there, you're also watering the weeds. By virtue of the fact that you're watering the grass, you're also watering the the weeds. Sometimes because we're doing something positive, but because it's so wide and it's so broad and it's so great, there's so much, then the negative forces can also come, like the weeds can also come and draw enough for what they need for their existence, for their nourishment, so to speak, and then they use it against the Kedusha. And that's why they were able to challenge, they were able to challenge the, quote, the wells of Avraham. The wells of Avraham, what does the well represent? When you're doing an act of revelation, you take something which was covered up and you dig and you bring out the good that's there. In this case, the water, or spiritually speaking, you bring out that mode of service of Hashem. You bring out the expression, the expressiveness that one has, whether it's the love, whether it's the fear of Hashem, and so on. So when it came to this approach, the approach of Avraham, they were able to counter it. Of course, albeit only after Avraham, quote, died, meaning after Avraham, so to speak, was not actively engaged in this service, it was just there, it was almost like dormant, then they were able to, so to speak, swoop in and try, you know, encounter it. But not so with Yitzchak. Because they're not even in that attribute. They're not even in that mode of attribute. They have no connection to it. They're not even a counterpart to him. And therefore they were never able to stuff his wells. Moreover, says the Rebbe, even the wells of Avram, which initially the Pelishtim succeeded in stuffing up, meaning they succeeded in countering, they succeeded in 
undermining. But when Yitzchak came along later and redug those wells, and like we said before, he redug those wells, he uncovered them again, and he quote, he called them by the names that his father called them, meaning he gave him the same essence, he gave him the same attributes. What happened? Then they were no longer able to stuff them up. We don't find that the plishtim were able to counter it afterwards. Why? Because now it was not only in the mode of chesed, in the mode of service of Avraham, but it was also coupled with the approach of Yitzchak Gvura, to which, like we said, the plishtim have no access to because they cannot counter it in any way. Example for this is in a person's day-to-day service of Hashem. You see, when we serve Hashem, let's say, for example, in our prayer, really, in general, tefillah, prayer, is an act, is an expression of love to Hashem. We connect to Hashem. We speak about the praise of Hashem. The, we, we're in, we become in awe and mesmerized by the greatness of Hashem's creation and Hashem's, Hashem's care for us and so on and so forth, and holiness and so on and so forth. But the, there's a problem with it. If somebody gets caught up just in the love, in the joy of the connection to Hashem, a person can sometimes get so carried away with it that when they're done their prayers in the morning, when they're done their tefillah, later, unfortunately, it could actually somehow end up, somehow end up in a not such a good place. In other words, even though during their tefillah, during their actual prayer service, they were in a very, very good place. But because their only, if their only approach, if their only mode of service was that ahava, that love, that joy, and, 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 and the excitement of it, then unfortunately, if it later can actually um, spiral down into a not such a good place. Why is that? You see, because inherently, the difference between the approach of love of Hashem and the approach of fear is the following. You see, even though love of Hashem is a tremendous thing, but to love, you need to feel yourself. In other words, there's somewhat of a yeshus. A yeshus means of a self-worth. You are the one who loves. In order to love something else, there has to be a you. You know, like the expression they say, you have to first love yourself before you can love anything else, someone else. You need to be you. So if you're only focused on love, if it's only about love, then it's a little bit about you too. There is the you, there is the yeshus, there is the quality which is the, 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 the seminal seed, so to speak, that later can grow and grow and manifest itself into absolute arrogance, which later takes you away from the whole thing. Whereas if it's coupled with fear, what is the inherent quality of fear? What is the characteristic of fear? That you feel less of yourself. You feel so small, you feel so tiny, you feel so nothing in comparison to the thing that you fear. And we speak of fear, we're speaking about true fear, which is really awe and honor. You feel the greatness, you're in the presence of a king, you feel like, who am I? I am nothing. I am nothing. So when you couple the two of them, then you have the success that the prayer that you had, the love, the feeling of excitement, the feeling of happiness you had in godliness, does not later, God forbid manifest itself into a bad place because it's just open to everything. But rather you have the limitations, you have the safeguards of the era of the fear which minimize your, your, your yeshus, your self, you know, self-being, and therefore your arrogance. 
And now we can understand why the Rebbe's father, based on this explanation, and he referred us to this Torah, why he chose to explain not like the Ramaz, and he says, these are the wells of Avram. Because in essence, this is the wells of Avram. Why are they attributed to Yitzchak? Because it's only because of the complement of the addition or the partnership of the mode of service of Yitzchak. Like we just explained an example of a, a person's day-to-day life. And as they experience in their davening in the morning, only through that is it now something that cannot be challenged. That's something that has a everlasting testimonial. What is the idea of a testimonial? The idea is that it remains forever and it serves as a testimonial. If it's just from the standpoint of Avraham's service, of Avraham's effect, it wouldn't have had that everlasting effect of being a testimonial. And that's why when it comes to, quote, the testimonial quality of it, that's where the Zohar attributes it to Yitzchak, not to Avraham. Although it's, in essence, it's Avraham's thing. The whole idea of it, <clears throat> the whole basis of it is the idea of Ava, of love of Hashem. It's just that it has to be coupled with, it has to be protected with, if I may, with the quality, the attributes of Yitzchak. However, the explanation of the Ramaz is not totally wrong, obviously. Like we said in the beginning, it's just another approach, it's another way of looking at it. So the Rebbe says that the reason why it's called the wells of Yitzchak, although it's Avraham that dug them, because in essence, the idea of digging and bringing out from below, if you recall, we said the mode of Gevura, the mode of service of Hashem, that attribute that's represented in Gevura and severity, really represents you know, the digging down and bringing out from below and revealing things and bringing above. And therefore, since inherently... It really is the idea of the service and the attribute of Yitzchak, that which, the idea of digging wells, that's why it's called the well of Yitzchak. But who in fact dug it, and who in fact was the one who contributed to it, as we explained above, the idea of Avram Avinu. And the Rebbe concludes that the lesson for us is <coughs> that a Jew has to know, a Jew's avoda to Hashem has to always be with Yira and Bitul. With fear of Hashem and absolute bitul, you know, that not not to have that self worth and self arrogance. On the contrary, to feel like we're totally subservient and totally naught when it comes to Hashem. However, at the same time, that is the idea of Yitzchak. But at the same time, we have to have a tremendous joy and happiness to 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 to, to, to because of the fact. As a result of the fact that we are there to serve Hashem, and we could serve Hashem, and we have the ability to connect to Hashem, and we have that special love to Hashem.